Hi, welcome to Back to Excited, episode 181. My name is Arvin. Joining me as always, my colleague from PensionPanPuppets.com. It's Acting the Fooliman. Hi, everybody. How are you doing, Fooliman? Uh, it could be worse, honestly. How about you? Yeah, more or less sums it up. Um, so as anyone listening to this knows, the Leafs lost 2-1 to Tampa Bay in Game 7, uh, losing the series 4-3. Uh, once again, the Leafs have gone to a do-or-die game and have died rather than did. Um, it's worth saying that there's probably less angst about within the fan base about this game than the prior two against Columbus and uh, Montreal. That doesn't make it, you know, <laughs> particularly fun or even particularly acceptable, right? This is a, a results business, and for the sixth straight year, uh, the Leafs don't have any results to speak of. Right. I mean, the big takeaway for a lot of people is just going to be that. Look, they had a chance to win once again. They lost once again. No excuses. Burn the whole thing down. I saw some quotes from a, a few people, J.D. Bunkus among them, basically saying that Leafs fans were in some way flawed for not being angrier, <laughs> I guess was the thrust of his tweet. Uh, I get it. And to be clear... If you were pissed at this, if you thought, man, this fucking ruined my night, I get it. Like, it sucks. It's a kick in the teeth. We would have liked to have more playoff success by now. But all of that said, I don't feel as bad about this loss as I did about the Habs by a long stretch. And I think there are good reasons to at least make some peace with it. Now, for one thing, I called Bolts and Seven, so... You know, being right is always nice. <laughs> it gratifies my ego, whereas being wrong, uh, which I've done a lot too, is less fun. But the way I see it is this. The Tampa Bay Lightning are a dynasty caliber franchise. Even if they've lost some players from last season, they are exceptional. And the Leafs went basically punch for punch with them. This was an extremely close series. And I think, honestly, if you can match the Tampa Bay Lightning, you can potentially beat anybody. Now, a lot of people are going to say, look, they still haven't beat anybody in the playoffs. And the defining feature of the Leafs is all, always almost being as good as their opponents. And that's been the case. But after a few years where the Leafs were frankly disappointing as series went on, I didn't find nearly as much to object to down the stretch in this series, except the result. It was too bad, but, you know, what can you do? I largely agree with you, but I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. Is that qualitatively different than how we felt against Boston the first two years? Um, said, you know what, we yeah. took this, especially the, the second Boston loss um, in 2018, where, you know, the Leafs, and similar to this season, um, the Leafs probably had the better at even strength there. They led the series three times. Right, they led one nothing, two one, and three two. And special teams kind of let them down against a very high caliber team, a team that went to the Stanley Cup final that year. Mm -hmm. Is it that? Is what we've done this year particularly different than that? Yeah, and there's an argument that no, it's not. I would say one, Tampa Bay is better than Boston, mm -hmm. in my opinion. I'm giving Tampa Bay a lot of credit, partly for the rings on their right. fingers. And, 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 I mean, hopefully, 
I mean, I, from a Leafs perspective, I think I, you kind of hope Tampa wins it all this year and they sweep <laughs> through the other three teams that they have to face. I don't think that's likely. I think Florida's the favorite against them. Especially right, well, if Point Braden Point is yeah. out. Yeah, and Kucherov is not 100%. Yeah. Like, I would have picked Tampa Bay to upset the Florida Panthers if Braden Point were healthy. Without him, Florida's, I think, clearly favored. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's for other people to worry about right now. Um, the thing about it is looking at this team, and I know people say, okay, but it was still kind of the same thing. They got stifled offensively down the stretch, and the series did end with a 2-1 game where Tampa Bay was collapsing to the net, clogging a lot of shooting lanes, and basically making it harder for the Leafs to generate quality in proportion to the quantity of the shots that they got. And that's true. Mm-hmm. But I hate to say it, that's what happens when you play an exceptional defensive team that can put out Victor Hedman, Ryan McDonough, Mikhail Sergachev on three pairings. You are going to have good defenses that are hard to beat. You look at what the team did in the series. They outscored their opposition five on five. They generated a ton of chances. They generated more than the average opponent did to Tampa in the regular season, despite the playoffs being, I would say, a more closely contested environment. I don't know. I look at that and I say, okay, what really happened here? Andre Vasilevsky was a little bit better than Jack Campbell, who was not bad by any stretch. And the Tampa Bay power play put it together when the Leafs power play struggled just a bit. And in a series that was effectively a coin flip, that's enough. Um, against the Boston, in the Boston series... Um, especially the first one, I kind of found myself thinking, okay, I'm not sure we're the better team here. And there was more yeah, of a letdown no, in game seven this, to me. Yeah. yeah. The, the second one is the, is really the, mm-hmm. the big one. And, and that's one where we had, I think, I think it was a three, two lead through a Capitan, uh, shorthanded goal heading into the second intermission. Mm-hmm. And then we gave that up in the, in the third period and Jake Gardner had a, a period to forget. Yes. Among many other people to be clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, so I, I see your point. There's part of me that wants to say, look, you do this against Tampa, very, very good team who everyone seems to recognize as a you know, truly yeah. elite team. That's, that's worth something, right? The, we chatted about this a bit last night, but I think a question to think about with respect to this team is, you, know, you said they'd often play up or down. They're almost as good as their, comp, their opponent in every, in every series, effectively. Mm-hmm. Right, so like the idea of being encouraged in some sense by this series relies on the fact that okay, we went punch for punch with Tampa, and that somehow that would translate to you know in a against a worse team, we would be significantly stronger. Like if we face the Capitals, we we would be better or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And it's it's still a little difficult to believe that in some cases because we just haven't done it. Yeah, right? yeah, especially in, in the opportunity. So like. You know, what we were saying is like this year's Leafs, if they face a team like Montreal, if they face a team like Columbus, you know, decent teams that have that, that you know, have some redemptive qualities. Right. I think there's also this this way of viewing like bad playoff teams like, oh, these guys are shit. They're trash. Mm-hmm. They can't they put their skates on their hands and use their sticks with their mouths. <laughs> right. It's like, no, they're they're like at worst an average team. They still have some things that they do well. Yeah. Right. But like the idea is you, you, you face a team like that and you'd be able to win right mm-hmm. that's what we have to hope with this that 
uh, with respect to this year's Leafs, that you know they showed enough against Tampa that this would translate against lower level opposition. But we thought that in 2019 against Boston, oh, you you know you took the Eastern Conference champions to to the absolute brink. Surely they could beat whoever, you know, right? Insert average team, and it wasn't the case the next two years. No, it wasn't, and that's very disappointing. I will note a couple of things. The Leafs are not the only team that has gotten goalied in the fashion that they did against Columbus and to a lesser extent mm-hmm. against Montreal. I mean, win or lose, look at what's happening to, to Calgary, who are orders of magnitude better than Dallas. And Jake Ettinger is just standing on his head. But, you know, I don't want to discard it because I was mad at the last few playoff losses. And I think that the Leafs played badly. I think the Leafs improved. And the thing that we struggled with all through this year was, how do you figure out something about a playoff team from how they do in the regular season? And I think what we saw is Matthews and Marner had terrific regular seasons, um, possibly career regular seasons, and they got to the playoffs, and I think that they were still effective. Um, I think that they still The last two games in particular, they, they had a low in the middle of the series, but I thought yesterday they were both really good. Yeah. Marner especially. Like we, I think Marner deserves a lot of credit for how he played. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, you know, after last season, I was thinking, I'm not sure you can win with Mitch Marner making $11 million. I still think that that's a lot. I've hashed that contract out enough. But I'm pretty happy with how he played. And so you absolutely, like, again, if you're mad, be mad. I, I totally get that. I'm not telling anyone how to feel. I'm just saying, when I look at this, my takeaway is... At least some of the things that we thought might be fatal flaws don't look like it after that series. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe this is because I was sort of primed for this. I was like, look, Tampa scares me more than any other team. They're the Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> They're fucking dynasty caliber. And so I think the reality is you can't build a team that is going to be a very strong favorite against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I don't think that that team exists. I don't even buy that the Colorado Avalanche really are. Um, And so playing them to a coin flip series, I think is a fine result. And this gets into what do you think a contender should do? Like, is it possible to still build a team that is head and shoulders above the rest the way that teams did in the 80s? Or do you have to accept you're going to be a very good team for several years and you might get disappointed by bad draws and bad luck and all this sort of stuff and occasional bad play, but you hang around long enough and eventually your number might come up like the 2018 capitals. I think that that's probably the reality in the cap era and the Leafs, despite the loss look to me more like a team that can hang around. And then one year, your number comes up. Yeah. I mean, well, I guess this year we'll, tell us a little bit about Colorado, right? Because mm-hmm. they have a reasonable chance to just storm to the cup. Uh, they're facing St. Louis, who I expect them to rack up really good shot. Like, I see the only way of them losing that series is getting goalied in some sense, right? Yeah. They're, they're going to carry play against St. Louis. Yeah. I mean, like, the reality is, likely. you know, Colorado should crush the Western Conference, especially if Dallas somehow knocks off Calgary. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. I guess my my thinking is I'm. I thought the Leafs generally played well 
I think mm-hmm. on a series level, the biggest issue is the power play. And it's something that confuses me in a sense because I thought the Leafs actually did a very good job in the regular season on the power play and did a good job varying looks up, um, making sure they didn't just have a single thing to go on, making sure that they had options and plan Bs and counters to be unpredictable. And it still didn't really seem to matter. Mm-hmm. Right, The power play was still often ineffective. Um, and it could have gotten better results than it did. Like if a random Matthews uh, shot from the, from the point or from the, from the circle, goes in, we, we feel differently about it. But at the same time, you know, you analyze what actually happened. The Leafs weren't generating consistently tons of shots. They had some good power plays, they had some mediocre power plays, they had some bad power plays, and it mm-hmm. averaged out to an average power play, whereas Tampa's was really strong. Yeah. Um, so that's a concern, and I don't know specifically what went wrong there. I mean, I think there were, there, there were definitely situations where we seemingly got a little too cute, but then it's also, you know, that that's what led us to success in the regular season. Like the, these pass, pass, pass plays. And mm-hmm. I'm not a hundred percent sure if maybe that doesn't translate as well in playoff play, uh, power plays. Maybe it's just a little bit of luck and Tampa just did a good job denying our zone entries. And once we got into the zone, we were okay. I don't know. We'd have to do more analysis on that. Right. And I'm sure in the off season, some people will. And we'll, we'll do an autopsy on, on what caused the power play in particular to, to struggle. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that I'm generally encouraged by what the Leafs did in the series. At the same time, I still don't feel incredibly strongly that the Leafs would have for sure beat the Washington Capitals or for sure beat the Dallas Stars or for sure beat the LA Kings. Yeah. Uh, simply okay. because I guess I'm not going to fully believe that until we do it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And despite, so, so I think people can have reasonable disagreement about what this honorable loss, quote unquote, means for the Leafs as contenders. Whether it means like, okay, you can play against Tampa, you can play against anyone, and you should be a favorite and will probably win against a bunch of other uh, teams. Or... You played it close against Tampa, which is something you do against every team, no matter how good or bad they are. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately you fall up short when it matters. And that does not give me confidence, again, that this team as constructed can be, like, can reasonably expect to be a contender. And I actually sort of think, regardless of how you feel about that, the least path forward is kind of the same. Yeah, that's kind of the trick of it, is you say, okay, now what do we do about it? Um, if you look at this team, what are the strengths? The strengths are that they have Austin Matthews and several decent supporting players. You might consider whether you want to reallocate salary from Marner or Nylander, but you've got a lot of talent on the roster. What are your concerns? Um, John Tavares is aging. However, he has a no-move clause. He's probably the biggest free agent signing in the history of the franchise. He's your captain. I've seen some people saying they should go to him and like basically beg him to waive his no movement clause. That's not going to happen. I don't know how Cowdewis can do that without like disintegrating on the spot due to embarrassment. Yeah, like no. Like, like how how do you ask the guy who you wooed here, mm-hmm. who has a young family here, who was the only Toronto star to show faith in this team and undeserved faith as it's turned out, mm-hmm. um, and say, yeah, you know what? Th- thanks for the the four. Good years, and make no mistake, they were good years. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
we're going to move on now. We want you, we, you know, that's just not going to happen. That would like sour the relationship with Tavares. I would be pissed if I was Tavares. Yeah, I do not foresee that as happening. And also, keep in mind, whether it happens or not, he has the whip hand because he's got the NMC. So yes. even if you embarrass yourself by asking him this question, he can say no, and you have to have a persuasive reason why he's going to say yes. And don't tell me it's, we're going to press box John fucking Tavares for the first 20 games of the year. Or some it's a great way to make sure you never get free agents again. Yeah, like, how about forfeit the respect of everyone in the NHL? And by the way, the respect thing is going to be a punchline because Sheldon Keefe made a reference to it and people want to go in on him for something. But I think that that would actually seriously injure the prospects of the Toronto Maple Leafs signing free agents. I really believe Well, that. it's also, I mean, I don't know who John Tavares' agent is, um, but you think that agent's going to forget that? No, well, I mean, you would get grieved immediately by <laughs> the, the PA. Anyway, the point is none of this is ever going to happen. John Tavares yeah. is going to be on the team next year. The question is, how do you build around him? Does he need more support right. or different support? And JT is still good. He had he had a really good last two games. I, we could talk about the the would be goal, um, yeah. in game seven. He I thought I thought I thought he was good. Again, he was active. He was getting to the net. He was you know using his strength and his uh, ability to protect the puck to you know get into good positions. On that penalty, it's like prob- it, it's a it's a fair penalty. It is a penalty. It's just never called. Interference is one of those things that is never called. Yeah, and it annoys me to no end there, that there is about eight hundred instances of interference that are not called each game, and it is ju- a justifiable penalty to call. But it's frustrating that that's the moment that they they choose to to re to really you know to to call that play effectively. Yeah, it, it's, I um, it's annoying. Yeah, just to, to recap for the record, in the second period last night, um, Justin Hall ran a bit of a pick. Um, on the a Tampa defending player. And then right as he was whistled for it, John Devaris picked up the puck and then fired it into the net. Um, obviously because the penalty w- was whistled down as soon as Tavares touched it, the play died right before the puck went in. And so the Leafs were cost a goal. Obviously in a 2-1 game seven, you would like to have that. Um, yeah, and so... When I saw that, I was like, that's the kind of low-level interference that gets let go a lot. I thought that that was unusually tight. I asked some people who are not Leaf fans to try and see. I was like, do I have my Homer goggles on on this or what? And the consensus from them was that it wasn't egregious, but that Hall was a little bit more obvious about it. Mm-hmm. Like, that he, like, he ran it like a basketball pick. And I was like, yeah. yeah, I guess I can kind of see that. Like, if you really shove it in the ref's face, he will whistle it. And again, the ref made the decision to call it before the puck went in, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. It sucks. Look, I wish it had counted, but it, it is what it is. Um, but it brings us back to the question of Tavares. He will probably be worse next year than he is this year. Yeah, and, and this year he had like a significant low midseason. But on the whole, you look at his season and it was actually quite good. Yeah. Look, the, 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 we're in the stage now where John Tavares is not going to be close to worth his contract. We knew this was coming. It is what it is. He's still a very good player. But I think you can ask a question of, okay, what do we put around him to get him in the best position? And does he need new wingers to, to work with? Does William Nylander help him enough? 
do we think that we can get two wingers on the team to put beside him while putting Nylander on the third line, or what is our plan here? And I think that there are good arguments for any of those options. There's also <laughs> a good argument for giving Mitch Marner back, but that doesn't seem to be in the cards. Um, no. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's that. I think, once again, there will be another big inquisition about the power play, which I believe did struggle a bit to end the year, although it still visually looked fine. But that that's going to be, again, mm-hmm. I... I haven't done the robust analysis of like, okay, has the power, does the power play like just qualitatively and quantitatively get worse over the course of a season um, because teams adjust to it. And, and, you know, that's been a pattern for the last couple seasons. So, you know, should maybe give it more credit than I would kind of naturally tend to do otherwise and just say, oh, you know, it might just be, might just be variance. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's fair to say, you know, it's happened enough times with the same group of players that maybe at a certain point, it just becomes a little obvious, right? And I thought, as I said, the Leafs did a good job making it not as obvious what they were going for this year, right? It, it became less Matthew-centric mm-hmm. and a more, there was a much wider variety of looks that, that we provided teams. But, you know, the results are the results and they, they weren't great once again uh, when, when it really mattered. Mm-hmm. So that, that's another thing to discuss. Um, in terms of goaltending, I, effectively, it's going to be they're gonna they're gonna trade Mrazek. They might have to give a pick to do so. It's essentially a delayed rental in a yeah. sense. Um, not ideal. Campbell will will get the reserve, and then we'll, we might go with Shalgren as backup next year, or some other very very cheap backup. I, I think we're gonna more or less commit to Campbell as like the number one guy. That seems credible to me. Although I, as I've said, I think picking Shalgren as the backup would be a mistake. And while I yeah. don't love the results of this first effort at a platoon with Campbell. Because, again, Mrazek kind of fell apart. I do think that you want to support Campbell more than just with journeyman backup. Like, do not put yourself in a position where you're counting on Jack Campbell to play 65 games. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that that would be a concern. Now, that does eat into your cap space, but... Right, which you don't have a lot of, especially mm-hmm. because Morgan Riley is now going to be making a few million more than he has been. Yeah, do we want to mention that? Because I've seen some people, uh, Sabres Kevin foremost among them, who said he thinks that an underrated issue with the Toronto Maple Leafs is that they rely so heavily on Morgan Riley as sort of the number one D type when he's a very gifted offensive defenseman, but he has clear flaws. And, you know, I think... I mean, I, yeah. I agree with that. I've, I've, I've probably been more negative on Riley than, than just about anyone in Leafs. Yeah. Fan- in Leafs fandom, and it, it's, it pains me to do so because I quite like him. Uh, I think he, he's just, I don't know, he, it, I feel like if I was on a team, I would want to play with someone like Morgan Riley because he, he seems like a genuinely good leader. Yeah, well, I think the truth is Riley is the de facto captain of this team, in my opinion. That's not a knock on Tavares. I'm just saying Tavares has a very workmanlike attitude. He's not the you know, rah, rah, buff everyone up. He's the do-it-right-every-day guy, which is fine, too. I, I think, but... I, yeah, I think Riley's kind of like the emotional soul of the team. Yeah, and I think they signed him partly because of that, and it wouldn't surprise me if he actually does get the captaincy at some point if they don't decide to just give it to Matthews. Um, but all of that aside, you know, you can say, look, Riley has his flaws. Um, he obviously didn't look as impressive as Victor Hedman, who is probably the best defenseman of the last 10 years, for my money. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, yeah, it's like, 
I, I, I'm kind of torn about it because it's like, okay, does Riley have flaws? Maybe. Do you upgrade? Like, how do you upgrade on him? It, like, it, and you know, there are some people who might say, look, you're at the point where you've had these results with Riley for so long that maybe the proof is in the pudding that you can't build the best possible team relying on him as you do. And I don't know. I'm torn between, yes, I wish I had Victor Hedman. I wish I had one of those real star top-tier defensemen. And then I also say, look, he's still effective. He still gets good results. Um, he was playing with Ilya Lyabushkin, who is like a 6'7", and, you know, that in itself is kind of an issue, but okay. I don't know. Uh, I do think maybe it's all moot because the Leafs are going to keep him, but... Yeah. Right, I mean, the, the Leafs just signed him to an extension. They, they're not going to trade him. Yeah. Um, they might not even... I, I, don't, I forget if there's, like, a rule disallowing you to trade someone for a certain amount of time after they signed an extension. I know that exists in, like, the NBA, but I forget if it I don't believe it does, office. but I do believe that Riley is going to have... I mean, I'll, I'll get the terms, but I think he has trade protection that'll kick in as soon as the extension does. Let me um, look it up. So, yeah. Yeah, he, he has a no-move clause <laughs> yeah. uh, immediately. So. so... Okay, cool. Yeah. He's, he's not moving on, basically. Um, yeah. And yeah, also, I think yeah, that's... it activated in October by that weird quirk early early NMC rule. So, yeah, he's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, and you have Muzzin making 5.6, Brody making 5. You really hope Muzzin's strong playoffs is a, is a sign that he's still fine. Yeah, I think... Kind of need it to be, to be honest. I think if you can, you have to explore trading Jake Muzzin. I know that, like... But are you going to get anything for him? That's what I'm thinking, is maybe not. And he does have a full no trade, so maybe he just says, no, fuck you. But mm-hmm. the Leafs, almost anyone of significance on the Leafs has a no trade, by the way. I think the only people who don't at this point are, well, I mean, you have Matthews doesn't, I don't think. Um, he can't, but, yeah. but that's, yeah, exactly. It's because he can't. The only people who don't are the people who cannot. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of that going around for sure. And Muzzin's no trade actually does decay to a 10-team list mm-hmm. as of July 2023. For, but for this offseason, I would be thinking he's had a good playoffs, and I get that. And you can say he's more of a playoff-type player. I'm just thinking we saw the beginnings of what it looks like when Jake Muzzin gets yeah. old this year. He's not going to get younger. He costs a lot of money. You now have more defensemen than you know what to do with, even if none of them are that great. This might be a time to try and look and see if you can show someone, hey, look at that playoffs. Are you interested? Would you trade Jake Muslin for nothing? Like, just basically get him off the books? Just to clear the cap. Um, no. But I don't need a huge return to do it. Right. And I guess the question is, would a team trade... Would, would, a, tr- would a team... If Jake Muslin was a free agent, would they sign him to two years, five point six million? No, probably not. And so, you, so like you're probably taking something back. Um, yeah. And that's the thing is, are you able in this transaction to maybe do something about your forward situation? I think mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Justin Hall is gone. I won't yeah. guarantee it, but Timothy Liljegren showed enough this season that the Leafs are going to want to play him full time. Rasmus Sandin showed enough that the Leafs are going to want to play him full-time. Mark Giordano was a rental, and he may also just straight-up retire, but he was playing effectively, and that seemed to be 
a positive relationship. So him coming back on a Spezza type deal wouldn't stun me either, but you have to clear mm-hmm. bodies for this to happen. Right. So, yeah. And Spezza himself, um, I mean, who knows? He, he, he might do another one year 750 or something like that. Uh, I'm sure the Leafs would be happy to, to do that with him. Yeah. I don't know if he, he might want to retire. He might also want to get to a thousand points. He's like 11 away. That, that's the thing is the thousand points thing is actually kind of what gives me some pause. Like, I really think that he might just go for that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's close. I mean, you're, he's so close. Like, if, if, I, if I were him, yeah. I'd, I, I'd be tempted. Yeah, it's five points at this point for what it's worth. Yeah. So, yeah, like, he's right there. And I'm sure if he pursues it, the Leafs really like him. They'll give it to him. I can't help thinking the Leafs already have a sort of sentimental contract for Wayne Simmons. Mm-hmm. And it's, it goes in the next season. And this is a guy who probably isn't in their 12 best forwards now. Um, again, with Spets, I'm like, how many more times can you do that where you're giving up your, your reserve slots to players who are probably not quite the best anymore? Like, you can be a little right. sentimental, and, but, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, the, we really saw the age of Spets on the fourth line this year, in particular. Yeah. Right? You know. they, they really struggled to, to end the season. And Colin Blackwell was a bit of a shot in the arm, actually. Yeah, I, I liked him. Um, I don't know what he's going to make on an extension. If it's cheap, I'm interested. If it's well into the seven figures at all, then good luck, but... Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing more of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you look at this and you want to see the Leafs move around the edges. Ilya Mikheyev, I think, is gone, so that opens mm-hmm. one slot. Alex and Kerfoot, that will hurt, maybe. based on this year. Like, you won't be able to replace him for what, what he did this past year for 1.6 mil. No. Um, and that's unfortunate. You know, you would love for some of these prospects that Toronto has drafted to come in and be impact players. Nick Robertson, mm-hmm. foremost among them. Uh, Alex Steves is committed to another... Sorry, not Alex Steves. Matthew Nice is committed to another year in college. Mm-hmm. Um, so we won't be seeing him until the playoffs, if at all. Uh, if, if yeah. you know, obviously Amirov has much bigger fish to yeah. fry at this point, but like if Amirov had developed the way we wanted to and uh you know obviously didn't have the health issues that that he's having mm-hmm. he would have been a contender for like a oh if he has a great training camp whereas now i think you know obviously the focus is just get healthy yeah absolutely that's got to be priority number one so mm-hmm. yeah i mean the, the big takeaway is do you see an internal improvement coming that's really going to to upgrade your forward group the answer is probably not yeah, maybe maybe Joey Anderson. Like I I yeah. I like I like Joey Anderson. Uh, yeah, but a he's, fair a, bit. he's a depth guy. Like he's a fourth line guy. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you probably do have to bring in somebody. And if you believe that there's a real issue in terms of the Leafs' ability to get to the net to play through tough traffic, um, maybe you try and find someone who's going to address that a little bit. I don't know. Um, Pierre Engvall is. RFA, although he's arbitration eligible, I wouldn't be surprised if that gets worked out. Um, useful player, still somewhat cost controlled. Andre Kasha, your guess is as good as mine, but he's RFA. <laughs> I, I was so high on Kasha 
and he was sort of invisible at the end, which is, I mean, it's a depth guy making one point something, right? Yeah. And coming off a long injury, but then you say, well, that's Andre Kasha. He usually is. So, exactly. Yeah, I, um, I feel for the guy, but I don't know. Right, and I guess, like, after next year is sort of... I, I, we had a podcast earlier this season saying, like, it's not insane to trade William Nylander now. Yeah. Right? And the idea being, like, you trade him now, um, he has, he has a, I think, a fairly significant signing bonus. Yeah, he, so he, you trade him after July 1st. Mm-hmm. He has um, a $3.5 billion signing bonus then. So you trade him then, his cap hit for the next two years is 6.9 mil. Real cash, it is, um, like, maybe 10 mil or something like that, or 11 mil, basically. So it's significantly cheaper. Um, for which is which matters for teams which are not the Leafs. He's like I think quite clearly worth his contract now. He had like a thirty-four goal year. He was solid enough in the playoffs. I think if we mean it as your best winger, you're not a good team. If he is your second or third best winger, you have a very good offense. Right. The trick with trading William Nylander is always okay. Do you win that trade from the position the Leafs right. are in? And yeah, maybe. And yeah, the only way I can think of doing so is you reallocate into into kind of quite um i don't know maybe you have yeah, it has to be someone who's better defensively effectively right neander's play driving numbers took a step down this year mm-hmm. but the leafs also you know you trade neander and they suddenly don't have really that much high-end talent at all they start to become a much more grindy team and a much more like cycle team mm-hmm. um and and a much less creative team. So if you trade him for like, I don't know, just someone who's like similarly good, but uh, reallocated, it's not clear to me that, but like with different skills, sorry. It's not clear that that, that actually makes the Leafs better because right now Nylander offers something different to basically everyone else on the Leafs roster. He's mm-hmm. one of our only um, skilled vertical threats, mm-hmm. right? Um, he's one of our best zone entry players. He's one of our best passers. And really, I think the only the only winger who is a plus passer besides Mitch Marner. Yeah, I, I think that Maybe that's you can fair. put Kerfoot in there, but like, but Nienander's like clearly a different level of passer to Kerfoot. Yeah, if your concern about the Leafs is they don't score enough when it counts, and I know Nylander has his flaws, but Nylander scored in this series. Nylander has shown that he can continue to score even when the heat comes up. You had better be really sure that you're winning this transaction. I'm not saying... I can't imagine it working out. I can. But it's a tough trick to pull off. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Leafs decide he's too valuable on his current deal to get rid of. Um, the alternative would be to trade Mitch Marner, which I don't think they're going to do. Um, the guy's like a 100-point player. and that Yeah. I, <laughs> you know? I, mean, I don't think you can trade Mitch Marner both because it's just like, I don't know. We're, 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 you're, you're almost certainly not winning that trade. Mm-hmm. And also, that seems like a really good way to alienate Austin Matthews, which like, you'd argue shouldn't matter, but it does. Yeah. Matthews is the franchise player, Rain or Shine. So, yeah. Um, also, with regard to Marner, I have to say, I think he did everything he could have. I, yes. I, I have no complaints about him this year, and I did last season. So, you know what? Good for him. No, he, he, he shut up the haters. He had just a top-quality season. Um, not quite start to finish, but basically for, for a long, long time now. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you can look at this and you can say, okay, David Kampf is going to be back. Are you okay with him as your 3C? He did a decent job at it. And if you're trying to economize, maybe you say, let's try that again so that you can spend money elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Michael Bunting is still at 950k for another season. Delightful. Um, you know, I don't think that this is a bad situation. I know, like, everyone is just sick of this shit. I get this. Everyone's tired <laughs> of having to do autopsies. They're tired of not winning rounds. It sucks ass. I don't blame anyone for thinking this discussion is a soul-crushing source of pain. But, I don't know. I look at this team, and I do not feel that bad about it. I feel better about it than I felt at times in the past, I guess is what I would say. I mean, it's clearly a good team. Yeah. It's questionable. It's not obvious to me whether it's a cup-winning team. Yeah. Um, but Storms, I don't think the Leafs have an <laughs> obvious path to a cup-winning team that, like, from this, from this point. Yeah. Right? So if you're looking at how do we optimize what we have, I think... I, I don't think trading... I don't think a fire sale... Like, I, I don't know. If you want to do something ridiculous, but, like, you know, sell everything. Sell Morgan Riley. Sell... I mean, I could be convinced of selling Morgan Riley, but that's not happening. <laughs> but, like, you know, sell Mitch Marner. Sell uh, William Nylander. Keep Matthews. You know, tell Tavares we're going to, you know, break the legs of your family if you don't waive your, your no-move clause. <laughs> do all that. I, even if you do that, despite, obviously, the legality of that. <laughs> yeah, that was a mob boss um, thing, but that's fine. Yeah. Even if you did that, I don't think you're in a better spot, really. Yeah, I mean... I think you can do a little bit of a mental experiment here where it's, let's say that the Leafs can do whatever they want on their end of any transaction. Just for argument's mm -hmm. sake, say they can persuade anyone to waive a clause, say they can... Sign any free agent. Yeah, like basically they can handle their end of it. But other teams still exist and still operate semi-rationally. I still have a hard time seeing how you get there. Like, you, you can get to a point where it's like, okay, I'm going to clear a ton of cap space and sign Kevin Fiala or something like that. I don't know. Um, I mean, if we're dreaming, let's just try and sign Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, what the hell? There's your fucking 3C. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to the Habs. I just know it in my oh, God. That, that That's going to no, be he... fun. Yeah. I mean, he, he he realistically is like gonna stay in Boston, right? But or retire. He's he's never moving on from there. But like, it's, I don't know. I got a fear in the back of my head that someday he ends up on the Habs. But admittedly, you wouldn't do it this year. The Habs have been dog shit. So, um, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, on, yeah. On, on, he'd be he'd be interesting on the Habs because now we're gonna have Suzuki and Shane Wright as their top two centers. And then if yeah. you like, Bergeron is your top two centers. Yeah, it's like, oh geez, what a way to insulate young stars. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe they let, they let Phil Deneau go. That, I, I mean, I know that he was pretty unhappy, and apparently he turned down an extension, but I would have mm -hmm. kept him. Anyway, whatever. Uh, yeah, like, looking at this, you can say, look, that there are also concerns here, which is, we talk so often about how does this team get to the next level, mm -hmm. and we've said, you've got to try this, you've got to show this, you've got to do that, and now I find myself in a position where I'm saying... They're either already on the level, give or take some tinkering, or they're not, but they're not getting there. Mm -hmm. So I, I maybe that's fatalistic, but I'm like, I think that this is about as good as you can make this team 
without winning a home run trade. And by all means, try to do it. It would really help. But as it stands, I don't have huge problems with the way that this team is constructed. Um, so, yeah, you know. And I think a big part of that is just that the Stars showed up in the, in the, in the last couple games. Absolutely. And this is something that I've struggled with, is like, how do you actually judge playoff performance because we get such a tiny sample, right? We just get a couple of weeks um, each year because you're the Leafs and you lose in the first round. Um. <laughs> yeah, when uh, Palat uh, scored, I figured maybe this was game five or game six, it's like Palat has 40 career playoff goals. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Good God. <laughs> like that, that happens when you're a good player and you make, you know, many, many, many multiple deep cup runs. I mean, yeah. Like, look, Credit where it's due, like the Tampa Bay Lightning are just a hell of a hockey team. That mm-hmm. like some things were very fortunate for them, but they got a lot of things right over and over and over again until eventually it became too much to deny. Right, and they also had like this. This does hurt in the sense that you know the Leafs were playing a somewhat hobbled Nikita Kucherov. They were at home with mm-hmm. fans. Braden Point didn't play after the first period. Yeah, you know this was not the Lightning at their best, and that's part of why I think the Leafs kind of. And that and score effects, of course, is part of why the Leafs really kind of took it to the Lightning for the latter half of the game. Yeah. And just didn't happen to put one by Vasilevsky, right? But yeah, the Lightning are good. And they, you know, I don't want to say the Leafs were goalied in the series because they weren't. Um, they were maybe goalied in specific circumstances, right? Like Vasilevsky had a great uh, game seven. But that's also part of the theory of the Tampa Bay Lightning is we are paying Andre Vasilevsky. Right. And like I guess... My takeaway from this team and how I'm evaluating it is the old logical thing of should implies can. I think you should be able to build a team where your goaltending is not a significant weakness vis-a-vis the mm-hmm. Tampa Bay Lightning. I don't think you can build a team where you can expect to have a goaltending advantage over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, how would you ever go about that? I guess it's drafty Gershisterkin. Mm-hmm. But... I think the reality is Andre Vasilevsky exists. They have him. He's probably going to be better than anyone you can get. And you won't be able to count on anyone you get necessarily matching him. All you can do is get someone who can hold the gap relatively close and hope that you can make it up elsewhere. Campbell cleared that bar. And so again, I don't find myself lamenting it as much as I might because I think what more were they supposed to do? Just win, baby. Okay. But once you get that out of your system and then you start doing a podcast for an hour, you have to look at some other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think the real question is who goes and who stays on defense. And we've talked about Muzzin. We've said Justin Hall, very possibly. Lyabushkin, I think, can get a little bit more money somewhere else than he's going to get here. Yeah. I, I think... The, uh... Both team and player are probably happy to move on in, in some sense. I, I, I like the idea of Labushkin. Didn't work out amazingly in reality. It worked out fine, yeah. just like not amazing. Like it, it, was, it, was, it was a medium transaction. I don't think the trade was awful or anything, but it didn't pop. Well, I mean, we, we unloaded Nick Ritchie, so whatever. Yeah. <laughs> At the price of a pick. Um, yeah, I think the reality is Labushkin is the type of player we would have liked to play with Morgan Riley. He's just not the quality of player. You know, mm-hmm. we put we put a sixth defenseman in the top four. This is kind of how that goes. Um, 
But if you open some runway for Sandin and Liljegren, who really have to... I think you have to be thinking playing them in the NHL close to 82 yes. games at this point. It's time. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they, they've shown they can do it. Like, you need, you, you need cheapness. Like, we don't need to... You don't need to pay a guy who's even, like, possibly marginally better than them a cent more than they make. Like... Yeah. Just, just, just play them at this point. Yeah, they're both RFAs, for what it's worth, with no arbitration rights. Um, I can't imagine they're going to be super expensive yet. Mm-hmm. Um, if the Leafs decide to try and lock one of them up for term, that'll be interesting. But, yeah, as it stands, probably clear some, some bodies out on defense. You probably don't really make a significant addition on defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you look at the forwards and you say... How do we replace Mikheyev? Do we upgrade on Kerfoot? And I, I think that those are your big <laughs> The inevitable out. I, 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 so you've heard of Essa Lindell theory. I have another half-baked theory to, to provide for you. Let's do it. There's the Alex Kerfoot line. Anyone better than Alex Kerfoot, you are too ina- attached to them to want to <laughs> trade them. Yeah. Anyone worse than Alex Kerfoot cannot conceivably be an important part of a trade. <laughs> it's very true and as a result he's been by far the most fantasy traded leaf that i can think of except maybe nylander by angry uncles but yeah uh kerfoot gets like nylander gets the quantity trades but kerfoot gets the quality trades yeah like the discerning trade speculator is always looking at Alex kerfoot i feel for the guy man like he had that fucking nightmare game six mm. and it's very possible that's all people remember from his time in Toronto after a couple of years. And it's like, I think he deserved better than that. He, he had a quietly good, solid year. I mean, a lot of it was due to PDO, but it, you know, mm. the puck didn't go in. That still matters. It happened. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And, you know, anyway, if someone is interested in him, like, for three and a half million, I feel like you should be able to sell a 50-point player for a decent return. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, playoffs and all. I think someone will give you something for him. And the question is just whether you're happy to take it. Um, I've kind of showed my hand here. I thought Kyle Dubas was going to get fired after a round one loss. And the only exception I could think of is, well, maybe if they go seven games against a really good team. But they did. And so I expect him to keep his job. And for his flaws, I'm kind of fine with it. Let's just see. I would Kenny be kind Paul of Rabideau upset if him. we fired him not in the sense just in the sense of like i'm not it's not it's not obvious to me where the clear upgrade is i would be like less upset if we fired keith although again i think look i think people just have to accept coaches are going to do 20 percent of the things that coaches do you are just not going to agree with and you're just going to think that they're dumb yeah right um and then so i think it's like okay is that 20 percent huge 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 like oh this is destroying our team or is it like I kind of don't like Nylander that much on the third line, but I sort of see the logic. Or it's like, I kind of wish they would play Matthews and Marner away from each other a bit more, but that line's doing really well. Mm-hmm. It, it's stuff like that. Keith, there's some stuff that he does that I don't love. But this is a team that's consistently dominating the puck against good opposition. The system, as much as I kind of wince at the idea of like total hockey and get frustrated at moments where it's like, why is Justin Hall at the net while Austin Matthews is playing defense? Yeah. The system by and large seems to work. Yeah. Right. And I don't think it's clearly come apart in the postseason. 
right? I mean, you could make that argument in the prior two years where, like, this system is just, like, teams are able to counter it in the postseason for whatever reason, maybe. This year, the Leafs' offense was fine. It wasn't... The Leafs' offense was, like, worse in the regular in the postseason compared to the regular season, of course, but, like, it was still pretty good. Yeah, and I also, I kept thinking, like, it's the Tampa Bay Lightning. Sorry, yeah. I'm going to keep mentioning that. There was this other thing, is like, someone was saying... Would you rather have a guy who got 60 goals or a guy who puts in this Game 7 performance like McDavid did? And, like, with the preface, I think McDavid is a better player. He's playing the fucking Los Angeles Kings. I'm sorry, it's (laughs) not the same. (laughs) Um, Yeah, anyway, that's an aside. Matthews also did just create... Matthews did get the primary assist on the Leafs goal as well. (laughs) Like, he he wasn't a wallflower. Yeah, how how do you stand it? Yeah, like, I'm not gonna fucking fuss about that. You look at, okay, so let's say the name that everyone is thinking of if you fire Sheldon Keefe is Barry Trotz, who mm-hmm. took a New York Islanders team that a lot of people, myself included, did not think was very good. And for a couple of years, he got terrific results out of them, playing a very playoffy, gritty, difficult defensive style. Um, this year, kind of everything that could go wrong for the Islanders did go wrong. Some things that maybe should have been foreseeable, some things that were out of their control, but they didn't score enough and they missed the playoffs. Um, if you can flip Keith for trots, okay. I don't think that's a panacea, and I think, as you, as you rightly point out, like there were a lot of things that Islanders fans did not especially like about Barry Trotz this year. Mm-hmm. And there will be such things if he comes to Toronto, which I don't expect. There's not a single coach. You could get Scotty Bowman on the Leafs, and we would find things that he does that would be annoying. Oh, yeah. Right? Because we're just dealing with totally different information sets. Mm-hmm. And, and to some extent, it's like, yeah, hire the coach to be the coach. You don't hire the coach to be an avatar for Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. I would get suspicious if a coach did everything I liked all the time because I'm not that smart. <laughs> so yeah now that but that said i think if you want to make a drastic change um you go down the list of what things count as a drastic change fire the gm mm-hmm. i doubt it trade matthews you're drunk trade marner not happening trade nylander maybe but i doubt it trade Tavares, not happening as we said riley not happening campbell not much point he's, he's unrestricted so i mean you could let him walk i'm just saying I don't think that the Leafs are going to totally recalibrate a net like that. So I, I think if you look at all of that and then you say, okay, the only really major change you would make is turfing Keefe. Keefe is kind of Dubas's pick, and he did sign an extension earlier this year. So I think it's more likely than not he comes back, but I'm not going to guarantee that. Even for a team as rich as the Leafs, Paying two coaches isn't that... Paying three coaches? Are we still paying Mike Babcock? We might be. Um, yeah. Like, paying that amount of coaches is, isn't fun. Like, they, they do have to make a business case for this sort of stuff. Yeah. It, um, and the Leafs have a very... I don't want to say bloated front office, because like, that implies that, oh, these guys are useless or whatever, and I don't... We can't possibly know whether they're useful or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have a large front office. Yeah. Yeah, right. they so, like, do. The Leafs... Yeah, the Leafs are spending a lot of money on salaries. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm i sure there's a certain amount of impatience. And I'm conscious that a lot of people feel it. And probably in ownership, they feel it too. 
you know, they, they would love to get another few games of playoff revenue. I, I guess maybe what I'm saying is, and again, I picked Bolts in seven, but this loss felt different to me. You can say it's cope, you can say it's consolation, but I did not feel this way after losing to the Habs or the Blue Jackets or the Bruins. I I think that all you can do in this league is build a good team, keep retooling them, put them up, and hope you get bounces. And I think that there will always be a luck component. And mm-hmm. I, I think in this case, I more of this looks like the luck component to me. But that's me. I mean, <laughs> we've tried to avoid talking about the refereeing, which I, I don't think that this swung the series, I have to say, even though I know some people feel that it did. Um, I mean, the, I didn't love the refing. Again, no, with the coaching thing, good, you're, you're, but... you're not going to love the refing. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever heard a team after a loss be like, man, that loss sucked, but the refs were really good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get like some people are going to look at the Leafs being very highly penalized in round one, and they're going to look at the unfortunate Hall interference penalty. Um, they're going to look at the first Kerfoot penalty in game six. Not the first Kerfoot penalty, the, the kind of high stick that mm-hmm. was preceded the Kerfoot penalty. Um, and I get that. Like, it sucks. I do have to say that this is the kind of thing I think you bake in mm-hmm. playing Tampa. Like, Tampa, through a combination of drawing penalties and well-timed retaliation and maybe a certain amount of dark magic, has consistently generated these high-penalty games where they come out narrowly ahead. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, like, it feels to me like getting mad about the length of the rink is like, man, we would be much more effective if there were a bit more space for Mitch Marner to skate. It's like, yeah, but this is the league we play in. The league we play in has these refs, and I don't think that they are out to get Toronto. If they operate no. in a way that Toronto doesn't find beneficial, Toronto's got to figure it out. Right. I mean, there's no conspiracy theory to get to, like, hurt the Leafs. The NHL would love it not. if the Leafs were good. Yeah. Like, they, like, they, why they would, would they do that in this case specifically? Yeah, they, they would enjoy a Leafs-Colorado final. Sure. Right? Like, Rodgers would be, who probably has as much say in the NHL as almost anyone else, right, given how much money they pay to them, would absolutely love it. Rodgers is super pissed that the Leafs never make it past the first round because their ratings crater. Yeah, absolutely. Like, the, the Leafs as a source of love and hate, generate a hell of a lot of traffic in this country. And even if it's a lot of people angrily saying, I don't want to see this on TSN, that sort of thing gets hits. And that echoes through the whole organization. Obviously, TSN is separate from Sportsnet, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I, you know, look, I get in the, in the heat of the moment, by all means, get mad at the refs. You can point to a couple calls and say, look, the Leafs deserved a better whistle there. I don't think the Leafs got a generous whistle in this series. Um, That's as far as I'm willing to go with it. And, you know, I know some people aren't going to like that, but uh, I think it just is what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, So that seems like a reasonable place to end off on. Like it's, yeah. Look, if we're ranking playoff losses, which is never a fun thing to do, although we have a very robust list at this point, um, (laughs) this is like towards the bottom, frankly, for me. I would understand if people find it, put it in different spots. It's a very personal list, but yeah, this was a quote, as disappointing as it is, and it is very disappointing. Like, the worst way we could have won is still better than this loss. Um, but 
Yeah, I, th- I think. Yeah. The loss was what it was. The Leafs stars showed up. The Leafs generally played well. And that doesn't mean they played perfectly. They, there was things that they could have done better. But, you know, you, you fix those and you move on. And I don't think any of it means that the Leafs are, like, fatally flawed right now. Yeah. Look, hockey is one of those games where you only get chances. You don't get certainties. You don't get what you deserve all the time. All you get is a chance to play very well and to hope the bounces go your way. I am less mad about this series than I was about any since the Leafs-Washington series because I think the Leafs played well and didn't get the bounces. I do not think that that was necessarily the case any of the past few years. And I have somewhat more hope about the core of this team, even if missing this opportunity stings than I did previously. So I don't know if that's much consolation to anyone. Again, if you're if you're pissed, be pissed. Look, it sucks. You deserve a playoff mm-hmm. win by now. But uh, I guess I find that somewhat consoling. Mm-hmm. All right. So that seems like a reasonable place to, to end off. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening, both today and throughout the season. Um, we'll probably take a bit of a break from the podcast for a bit, but we'll be back at some point in the off season. And then of course, back in the, in the regular season, uh, once again. Uh, so yeah, th- thanks for listening. You can catch all of mine and Fuleman stuff at pensionplanpuppets.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at RV and AT Fuleman. We'll see you uh, sometime in the future.